Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today I want to hit on a topic that is very close to my heart, and it is gaining God's heart for the unborn. And I'd like to share a personal story with you that really accentuated this message in my life in a very deep and powerful way a number of years ago. Before I tell you that story, I wanted to remind you that our print magazine, the Set Apart magazine, is now available four times every year. So this beautiful print resource has now been revamped and updated to be applicable for women of every age and be delivered to your door once a season. So if you're not yet a subscriber, this is just a great resource to go deeper with Jesus and to share the Set Apart message with other women in your life. You can go to setapartgirl.com to learn more. We also have an online mentoring program, which has over 175 hours of video teaching and lots of other resources on the practical areas of building a Christ-centered life in modern times. So I hope you'll check out those resources. There is a beautiful scripture in Matthew 18, 14, where Jesus says, it is not the will of your father in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I love that verse because it's such a profound picture of the heart of God towards little children, towards infants, towards helpless little lives that need strong people to stand for them. It is not the will of your father in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. This truth hit home for me when our oldest son Hudson was about two years old and I became pregnant with our second child. I remember going through the process of telling Hudson he was going to be a big brother and telling friends and family that we were having a second child and exploring baby names and calculating the due date. And after a few weeks of really excitement and anticipation, everything came to a screeching halt because I woke up one morning realizing I had most likely lost the baby. And after I went to the doctor, my suspicions were confirmed. I wasn't really sure how to process that kind of sudden and unexpected loss. I had to raise my young son. I had a husband and a ministry life to tend to, and I didn't want to lose it emotionally. So I made up my, my mind to be strong and just keep a stiff upper lip and move on. And of course, the doctor told me, you know, you'll probably be able to get pregnant again. This isn't really that big of a deal. The life that had been lost was only six weeks along in development. And so a lot of people would have said, you know, it's it's really fine. It's not a huge deal. You haven't heard the baby kick. You haven't heard the heartbeat. You haven't seen an ultrasound. At that early stage in the pregnancy, it's not really a devastating tragedy, just a disappointment. And that was kind of the general attitude that I thought I should have towards it. But as time went by, there was this growing despair in my soul over losing that pregnancy. And there were nights that I lay in bed awake, suffocated by just inexplicable grief and emotional pain. And as the weeks went by, I did my best to ignore the grief in my heart and just keep moving forward with my life. I thought the best way that I could honor God through the situation was to accept what had happened with a resilient attitude and not let it slow me down. But the grief continued to amplify just under the surface of my emotions. And finally, one day, I could not contain my sadness anymore. And all of the emotion just came to the surface. And I lay across my bed, weeping uncontrollably, really grieving for the first time this child that I would never meet this side of heaven. 
for weeks, I'd been telling myself that what had happened was no big deal. But now I was coming face to face in a very personal way with the true reality of the situation that it was a big deal. It was a terrible tragedy because a little life that had been precious to God, being formed in his image, shaped by his hand, had suddenly been snuffed out. And I thought of the words of scripture, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb, Psalm 139, 13. And from my mother's womb, you have been my God, Psalm 22, 10. And before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, Jeremiah 1, 5. To God, the baby that had perished was not just a barely developed fetus or a blob of cells and tissues. It was a priceless human child, a masterpiece of his creation with its very own heartbeat and DNA, its very own destiny, and a destiny that had been abruptly cut short before it really had a chance to be fulfilled. God was grieving over the untimely death of this precious child, and I realized The best way to honor him through this loss was not just to shrug off the pain and move on, but to allow myself to feel what he felt, to care about this life as deeply as he cared. And once I finally allowed myself to grieve for this little life, to see what God was seeing, to feel what he was feeling, it changed everything. My life has actually never been the same since. We saw God redeem that situation in such a beautiful way. We had a ceremony for our lost child. We named the baby. We wrote letters saying goodbye. Our hearts were still sad and sorrowful over what had happened, but God began to work a deep healing within my soul. He also began to work something else within my soul, the ability to carry his burden for the weak and the vulnerable, to weep over children who are being orphaned and enslaved, to grieve over the countless unborn lives that are being snuffed out before they have a chance to fulfill their God-given destinies. Eric and I had been working in full-time Christian ministry for most of our married life. But we'd become so busy that we had begun to overlook the orphan, the needy, the vulnerable, the outcast. Through our own tragic loss of this miscarriage, God awakened us to the cry of more than 143 million orphans around the world. He gripped our hearts with the millions of young girls caught in the trafficking heartbreak. He burdened our hearts for abused child soldiers in Uganda, for destitute starving children in Liberia, and for persecuted street children in Brazil. And he opened our eyes to an injustice no less grievous than all of these heart-wrenching dramas, which is something happening right down the road from us. Countless women often being targeted, manipulated, and deceived by a money-hungry machine known as the abortion industry, and millions of innocent, helpless lives being ruthlessly snuffed out prematurely. As I grieved for the unborn baby that I had lost, I began to catch a glimpse of God's overwhelming, heartbreaking grief for the precious little ones being deliberately aborted right down the street and all around the world. I had always grown up with a pro-life mentality, but as God worked in my heart through this experience, the issue of abortion became a lot more to me than just a box to check on my voting ballot once every few years. I began to carry the very burden of God for the unborn, feeling at the deepest level of my soul the inestimable value of every precious life 
created by his loving hand. From that point forward, I really took the words of Proverbs 31, 8 to heart. Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all those who are appointed to die. Now, who are these speechless ones that God is referring to? Who are these helpless victims appointed to die? The answer is more obvious than many of us realize. In addition to the millions of orphans and vulnerable children all around the world, there are millions of unborn babies all over America and around the world that are being threatened. And just like the orphaned and abandoned children from all around the world, they are desperately crying out for advocates to rescue them. But of course, they are the speechless ones. They do not have the ability to cry out for help. Just in this country alone, about 23,000 babies are killed every week at the hands of abortionists, 1.2 million babies killed every year within their mother's wombs, One in four babies conceived in America is surgically aborted, and abortions outnumber live births in at least 14 U.S. metropolitan areas. And of course, these numbers are growing every year. If we will not open our mouths for these helpless ones, if we will not take up the cause and fight for life, who will? Another position of empathy that I really gained in walking through my own miscarriage was a glimpse of the pain and the grief that the girls and women who have lost a child to abortion feel. So often when we think about abortion, we focus on the unborn children and the the fact that they are victims. But in so many cases, the women and the girls caught up in an abortion situation are also victims of deception or extreme pressure. A lot of times they don't realize they're being pressured and manipulated to make that choice until it's too late. And then they are left with incredible hurt and pain that affects every area of their lives. And then of course, there are fathers of unborn children who regret that decision that was made. Either they weren't part of the decision or they were part of it and they've come to realize that it was the wrong decision. And the long and short is this, abortion is not just a disturbing political issue, it's something that shatters lives. There is a really powerful documentary about the abortion industry called Blood Money that really goes deep into the manipulation of the abortion industry and the lives that get caught in the middle and shattered as a result. And it's a very fascinating documentary to watch. And there's actually a follow-up video made by the same group about women who have experienced healing after abortion. So both of those I highly recommend. Many of us have wished throughout our life for a worthy cause to give our lives to. Maybe we've watched inspiring movies about heroes of history past, like maybe William Wilberforce, who poured out his life to end the the slave trade in his day. And we find ourselves longing to be part of that kind of noble adventure, that rescue work. But few of us realize the opportunity that we have sitting right in front of us because we live in an era where innocent lives are being slaughtered in mass and an entire generation of young women are being ruthlessly pursued and manipulated and often destroyed through the deceit of a money-hungry industry. A lot of us choose to steer clear of the abortion issue because it seems too political, maybe too emotionally charged or too confusing. We aren't really sure what to do about it. We don't feel like we can make much of a difference anyway. So all too often we do nothing other than shake our heads at the sadness of it. But we fail to fulfill God's call upon our lives to open our mouths for the speechless and defend those helpless lives who are appointed to die tragic deaths. So I'd like to challenge each of us to rise up to make that crucial and deliberate choice to stand for life, to become God's hands and feet to their weak and the vulnerable lives that have no voice to cry out for themselves and no advocate to fight for them.
because you and I were chosen to live in such a time as this. And no matter how helpless you might feel when it comes to this issue, we need to remember that the God of the universe stands for life because he is the author of life. And when we stand for life, we stand with our king and his power is so much greater than all the power of the enemy. The strength of heaven backs us up when we carry God's burdens and fight God's battles. So I want to look quickly at a few practical ways that we can do this in our daily lives now. The first one is to promote life. If you know someone who is considering abortion, it's really easy to become mealy mouth and not quite know what to say or do. The first thing I would say is get on your knees and fight on behalf of that priceless unborn life and then lovingly exhort that person to choose life offer to help her to go with her to a local pregnancy resource center and find other alternatives or at least gain more information before she makes an emotional decision. Make a choice to be her advocate, not just someone who preaches at her, but someone who stands with her and is an advocate both for her and the life within her. Your influence and your prayers can mean the difference between life and death. I once knew uh, a situation where a young girl in high school had an unplanned pregnancy and there was only one girl in her life, a, a neighbor friend, who spoke to her pointedly about abortion and talked to her about the fact that there were other options and the preciousness of the life growing inside of her and urged her to make a different choice. And because of that one voice in her life, she chose life for her child. So don't discount the fact that your words can make a huge difference. I also remember a story hearing a young woman share one time at a pregnancy resource center event about how she was unexpectedly pregnant when she was in college and she called a pregnancy resource center in a state of just shock and confusion and despair and she said to the woman on the phone, I think I might be pregnant and the woman's immediate response was congratulations. And that one word completely changed her life. Her whole perspective changed because she recognized, wow, this is a life to be celebrated. This isn't just a problem to be solved. It was extremely powerful to recognize just those words of life and how they they saved the life of her child. And if you yourself are ever faced with an unplanned pregnancy, don't allow fear or pressure to blur you to the reality that this is a precious life created by God. One of the best things you can do if you are in a crisis situation is reach out to a pregnancy resource center for help and perspective. And there'll be a link in the notes of how you can find those. Remember, the culture that we live in is very deceptive and very cunning. Pro-choice organizations are not the wise and caring health-focused counselors that they claim to be. They don't have a woman's best interest at heart, and they certainly don't have God's best interests at heart. They aren't there to provide good, solid wisdom and a clear understanding of what's healthiest. They exist to take a woman's money and ruin her life. So don't take this battle lightly. Be willing to get uncomfortable, to ask difficult questions, and to wrestle in prayer on behalf of those who are appointed to die. Another practical is to open your eyes. Ask God to give you his heart for the unborn lives that are in danger of being snuffed out. A great place to start is by downloading Eric's sermon, The Auschwitz Within, which you can get for free at ellersley.com. 
There's also a great video that Ray Comfort did called 180, which you can get at livingwaters.com. And I've already mentioned the Blood Money documentary, which is available at amazon.com or other places online. More importantly, study what the Bible has to say about the value of life and the importance of protecting the cause of the weak and the vulnerable. Ask God to increase your passion for the burdens that he himself carries. Another practical is to pray. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Prayer can turn a whole terrible situation into something that brings God glory. I know a lot of Christians who have regularly gone to places where they perform abortions, not to picket or demonstrate or protest, but simply to stand spiritually in prayer against the evil that is happening there and just take a spiritual stand. And it makes an incredible difference. If you have children, let them join you in praying for this battle. They don't have to know all the details about abortion to pray for the lives of the unborn. In our family, when our children were young, it was as simple as telling them that there were many babies in danger of being killed before they were born and then ask them to stand with us in prayer about it. So if you're a mom, if you have kids, this is a great cause to train your children to fight for on their knees. Our kids, when they were young, they were always eager to pray for these little at-risk lives. And it helped them realize, even at an early age, that they could become part of God's rescue solution for those precious children. And lastly, take a stand. Consider volunteering at your local pregnancy resource center or supporting them financially. These ministries are so critical in such a time as this. Abortion clinics are often lucrative and very well-funded, and they have government money oftentimes. But organizations that provide abortion alternatives and pro-life counseling and a different perspective are often in desperate need of financial support. So they need people who will stand with them. They also often need volunteers. Another way to get involved practically is to reach out to single moms in your community. You can offer practical and spiritual help for families who have chosen to stand for life through adopting or fostering. Or if you know a single mom who's pregnant or expecting a child or a a new mom, begin to be a support system for her. You can also become a spiritual mentor for teens and young women in your church or community and talk to them about the issues of life. Ask them pointed questions about how they're handling this area of their life and point them towards truth. Be someone that they can turn to for answers in a crisis situation. These ideas are just a starting point. If you make yourself available to gain God's heart for the unborn and become a voice for the voiceless, you can be sure that God will guide you in what specific steps he's calling you to take. Remember, he cares more about these precious lives than we ever could. His eyes are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for someone to care as he cares. Are we willing to take on his burden? I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to build a Christ-centered life, please see the many resources that we have for you at setapartgirl.com. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.